Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to episode 367 of Geek Town Radio. I have with me... Daryl, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am excellent, excellent. Uh, so it's been a little while since you've been on. What have you been up to? Yeah, it has been a while. So one thing I wanted to talk about is, do you know who Brandon Sanderson is? No, it's not a name I know. Okay, so in the world of sci-fi and fantasy book nerds, Brandon Sanderson is very well known. He's a author. Probably the best sort of link would be, you know, The Wheel of Time, which oh, Amazon yes. recently threw oodles of money at. Yes. Unfortunately, the original author for that passed away before the books finished. Right. But he passed on his manuscripts, I think it was the last two books, to Brandon Sanderson to finish it. Ah. And I think, it's, I think it's about 15 books in all. So, so I think he did the last two or three. I'm sure someone will correct me in the comments. But as well as that, he's known for a sort of book cinematic universe known as Cosmere because he writes a number of fantasy books all based around a single universe right around lots of different planets within that and they all have unique magic systems and I've been reading his books for like over a decade I would say he also writes books outside of that series but that's probably what he's best known for right and I would probably say he's one of the more famous fantasy authors out there sort of in the mainstream so anyway, to get back to it, over COVID, he secretly, I don't know how he managed this, almost James Patterson levels of writing, but he wrote five unannounced books. <laughs> so, you know, usually people write books, they tend to announce them, but he cranked out five books, four adult novels, and one which is called a junior novel. But what he then did was announce a Kickstarter campaign. So what you could do is you could then back him for a variety of releases. So you could pay a little bit of money and get ebooks of all these books. You can pay a little bit more and get audiobooks. You can pay a little bit more and get leather bound wow. copies of these books. And so I went in and definitely went to sign me up. And at the end, the Kickstarter campaign got 185,341 backers. <laughs> Jeez. Um, dropping $41 million US. <laughs> 
before finished. That's insane. And just as a sort of a thank you to Kickstarter, Sanderson then went and backed every other publishing book on Kickstarter, every other publishing <laughs> project on Kickstarter at the time, which was 316 of them. Wow. So obviously 41 minutes is a lot, but yes. you have to take into consideration he's now responsible for making those leather books, getting them sent out, getting the audio books recorded, paying people for that, and getting those sent out and sent all over the world. So while it sounds impressive, I think after all the expensive goes down, you'll probably be a little bit closer to a sort of like book advance. Maybe. Yeah, it's Maybe. still a I lot don't... of money. I mean, I can't imagine it costs that much, much, but it's yeah. a great deal. But yeah, he just sort of did that out of nowhere and it sort of blew up. That's so crazy. The reason I mentioned that is because the first book came out this month. And so I've been listening to that because I opted for audiobooks. Yes. It's one of the Cosmere books. So it's within the universal planets that we have seen before across several different books. We haven't been to this planet before. It's about this young woman who lives on a very small island, so it seems probably less than 10 square miles. And she's just a young, poor server woman just trying to make ends meet living with her family. And we find out that she's has a sort of a friendship with the Duke's son. And through things that happen, the Duke's son is kidnapped and she resolves to go and get him. Right. By setting up for adventure. And you have to know about Hanson's style, but he has a very interesting way of writing. He writes very well about realistic depictions of heroes dealing with mental illness. Right. So there's some things about this former soldier turned slave turned sort of hero again and his PTSD and the way he doubts himself for all of these lost before because he holds himself responsible for the death of his younger brother. Mm -hmm. And this one is much lighter fare at the moment, but I'm only about 22 chapters or so in. I just thought it was nice to talk about. I just thought, yeah, the Kickstarter campaign was, it was wild when I sort of saw it. I'm sure there's some readers out there. I think sure. he is a big deal. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yes, I was just looking him up. It's the most successful Kickstarter campaign in history. 41 million is, is ridiculous amount to raise on Kickstarter. That's insane. And to do four novels just... Two years, and that's around his other stuff because he still has three or four series <laughs> ongoing. He has one series that goes across timelines, so it sort of starts out, and then we go forward about 200 years, and that one is finished, so we're supposed to go forward another 200 years or so to see what happens next. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly ambitious, but he pretty much always delivers with what he says he's going to do, mm -hmm. and the books are pretty well respected. Yeah. To be honest, I'm amazed that none of his books have been adapted in a shape or form. That is very surprising. Because given... there's so many of them yeah, and they've been it's... around for so long. It is quite uh, quite surprising that they haven't been adapted at this point. And also, I mean, I wonder if you could have a word with George R. R. Martin. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, four books during lockdown, George, <laughs> we're still waiting. But yeah, two or three concurrent really long runnings the moment yeah but yeah it's definitely worth amazon or heading to your local bookstore and checking out brandon's handles and stuff he has things for everyone he did a very interesting trilogy about dark superheroes it's not part of the cosmere but it's a world in which it had a dawn of superheroes to everyone getting powers roughly around the same time yeah but in that world the more you use your powers the more it corrupts you right 
Uh, so you find this young guy who's obsessed with superheroes because the primary superhero who sort of like controls his city on the day they sort of announce themselves to the world, he got involved in incidents which led to the death of his father. So he's obsessed with trying to take them down. Right. Like a Marvel DC super geek, um, <laughs> but dedicated to finding out how to really kill Superman. That's basically the sort of the story that you follow. Interesting. Yeah. And that's a really good series. Yeah. yeah that's that's cool. the first thing. I didn't imagine it here, but I, I have been seeing to you guys and I too watch Kaleidoscope ah uh, yes I had slightly different thoughts on it <laughs> go on I, well I thought like one it was excellent cast yes but I don't think it really worked for me the random order right at least the random order that I watched in yeah just didn't sort of go through okay and, and I think it's sort of set that you have to watch the last episode last yes it's pretty much last episode last even though it isn't last sort of timeline wise right but it's where you find everything out yeah but the way it works is that you find out or any Anyone with an inkling of common sense figures out what happens long before that. Right. Because there's another episode that you have to figure out, oh, this is what's going to happen. It sort of killed the momentum for me when I was like, with three episodes left. Mm-hmm. I think like it could have been fine as a straightforward heist thriller. Mm. And I think maybe just because everyone's really unlikable and they only become <laughs> more so as they go through. And I have problems connecting with shows like that if they have everyone who's just incredibly unlikable. Yeah, I can imagine with that i still haven't got around to watching it myself yet i know gray talked about it last week it's an interesting one that yeah, because good parts and bad parts and i think if you were rating it i suspect that the rating could really change depending on the lock of the jaw yeah because if you see certain things it will just ruin it for you i think i got fairly lucky in that it sort of made sense sort of chronologically up to a point the way i watched right but yeah just because of the nature of that last episode and episodes before you you learn too much and it's just too easy to see where you're going that's an interesting one because i haven't looked and compared reviews but i wonder if they are all over the place because of the order that people have caught it in so mm. it's an interesting one that yeah it's definitely one of those things where i come out of it thinking okay i want to go look at imd and i want to see what other things need to be playing because it's an excellent cast mm-hmm. but yeah it's just that it seems a strange bet for netflix to go with well yes i mean the one advantage that that show does have being on netflix is if it doesn't come back for another season at least it's one season of a self-contained story <laughs> so, yeah well if that would come back i think it'd probably be more of the anthology sort of american horror is, story sort yeah, of thing it is definitely yeah, it is yeah, definitely think, going to be an anthology. Yeah, and I think it'd be back. fine if it came back. I would probably try again, but I don't think I would have been in on the first day because I think I watched it three episodes on the first day. Right. As soon as it came out, I don't think I'd do that if there was a season two with another story, unless it was very interesting. Yeah. But getting back, I watched Jungi, which came out last week, and that's a Netflix Korean movie, sci-fi, and it follows a AI researcher who's trying to build the ultimate sort of artificial weapon based on her mother right okay uh, who's like a decorated soldier in this war and they sort of give you the spiel at the beginning which humans go to the moon establish themselves there and would you do it declare themselves independent and start a war ah right okay one of those yes coming. Um, but basically it sort of follows on from that is that there was a, this major battle and this soldier it was a pivotal battle and it was sort of like if they won it'd be the end of the war but something happened and she sort of failed the final hurdle mm-hmm and so they've been stuck in sort of waiting to see what's going to happen in the war. It's all stalemated. Right. And... 
I just want to watch this because the trailer dropped obviously way back whenever it did and I thought that looks interesting but unfortunately I think the marketing division outdid themselves because there isn't much in the film itself it's a very very (laughs) slow burn much more about sort of the nature of guilt and AI versus human and what does it mean to have a soul or that sort of thing Yeah, and it just sort of moves along there and then gives you maybe like 20 minutes of action at the end right okay yeah I mean, I think it's a fine film, but that wasn't what they were selling before in, in the sort of trailer. Right. <laughs> if you get what I mean. Right. So yeah. You should always know what you're walking into up to a point. Yeah. I think that's where it sort of falls over. Right. Okay. I don't know. That's thinking about the rights and wrongs of AI. It would be a solid film, but it sort of sold itself looking like it was going to be more of an action thing, which does not. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And the final thing is The Glory, which is a Korean TV show released on Netflix with part one being released episodes one to eight back on December 30th. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really noticed. I just happened to find it for, oh, that looks interesting. Let's give that a go. And I was blown away. It was definitely probably one of the best things I've watched in the last, say, six months. Wow. Do you remember Revenge? Yes. So this is like Revenge, but with all the nonsense that happens in the later seasons cut out. Right. Keep it just to Revenge. And mm-hmm. it follows this young woman. And we open in the past. And we see her at high school. I could say bullied, but that's not the right word Mm -hmm. because it's just horrendous. It's like trigger warning. If you had a bad time at school, do not watch this. It's just that off-putting. Yeah. And you see this group of sort of like the rich elites of this small town. And they say it's like two hours outside of Seoul. Mm -hmm. And they just bully her relentlessly. And it's violent. And it's just ongoing. And they just don't stop. And eventually she leaves the school. But you see also the fact that she gets bullied, she gets bullied, she gets bullied. And you see also a teacher. They don't want to know because those are the rich students they can't be messed with. Right. She goes to the police to think and report because obviously she's been attacked and injured. And they don't want to know when they call the school. And obviously a teacher comes along and says, oh, I'll deal with it and takes them all away. Mm-hmm. And obviously it just gets worse after that. So eventually she leaves the school. And then we follow her. She works in a factory. And at that moment, she's going to come up with a plan for revenge. Right. And that's what the, the episodes are just basically watching her prepare for that. And we see where the lives of the bullies go. So right. probably fast forward about 12 or 13 years. Mm-hmm. So they're adults. One of them has a child who's of school age, I think who's in primary school. And she returns, doesn't hide who she is, like in revenge. She comes back with her name. And she is now the teacher of the head bully's daughter at the school. Right. She just inserts herself into it and then just watches everything burst into flames around her. Right. And that's what we follow for these eight episodes. As I say, it's part one with part two dropping in March. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. There's more story. There's a secondary story would be love interest with a very dark sort of secret, but it's just relentless. Everyone is sort of happy to turn everyone else. We have this protagonist, like in the same way that I can remember when I used to watch the first few seasons of Revenge, mm-hmm. and you used to sort of think every now and then Emily is incredibly disturbing for what she does and what she's prepared to do. Yeah. Just multiply that by 10 with the things, <laughs> with the things that she's waiting to and the way she manipulates the people around her. Right. Yeah, it's just absolutely amazing. So much fun. I went for the episodes in about three days, and that was all because <laughs> I had to go out, look for houses, um, looking to move, so that was the only reason that slowed me down. 
Right. Wow. And you're only kind of halfway through because the second half comes out in March. Yeah, you're only halfway through. That definitely sounds like one to go and look out for. And what's that called again? It's called The Glory. And that's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. That and, you've, and they've even started doing dubs now for Korean shows. Ah. The notoriously, they were nearly always subtitled only. Right, okay. But both Jungi and the Glory can be, you can uh, be dubbed if that's just not your thing, which for some people isn't. Yeah, fair enough. Awesome. Well, my watching this week has been somewhat sillier than yours. I uh, caught the first episode of That 90s Show. Ooh which is also on Netflix, which is obviously the update of that 70s show. It's got Kurt Smith back as Red and Deborah Jo Rupp back as Kitty. And the setup for this is it follows Leah Foreman, who is the daughter of Eric and Donna, mm-hmm. who make guest appearances in the in the first episode to sort of drop their daughter off at the grandparents. And the idea is that she's supposed to be there for 4th of July, and throughout the course of the episode, she kind of decides that she'd quite like to stay with her grandparents for the summer. So that's really the sort of opening of it. And you get introduced to this new cast of characters who are the people that she's sort of starting to make friends with. The entire show is essentially that 70s show, but with a female in the main lead and set in the 90s rather than being in the 70s. Uh-huh. But everything else about it is basically the same setup. They're still sort of smoking weed, hanging out in the basement. You've got a bunch of varied friends, some of which aren't very intelligent, some of charming and flirty. One of them's kind of a riot girl. One of them's kind of smart, snarky. You know, it's that sort of fairly generic American sitcom setup, and it is basically an update of that 70s show with a different cast. I think they've done a perfectly decent job with it. If you like that 70s show, I think you're probably going to like this. There are guest appearances from quite a lot of the original cast. Topher Grace, Laura Pepron, Myla Clunis makes a, an appearance. So does Aston Kutcher. Wilma Valderrama also pops in. So there's people that you will know. And uh, I, I've only watched the first episode so far. I'm going to go back and watch a bit more of it because, I mean, it really depends on whether you like the format of that 70s show because it really is an exact copy with a different cast of that original show overall i would say thumbs up worth going to have a look at if you were a fan of that 70s show that 90s show is probably something that you will enjoy checking out i would think i've only ever seen like clips and things but yeah the 70s show passed me by yeah it wasn't something i watched religiously but i enjoyed it when it was on you know there was good bits and pieces of it so there are 10 episodes of that 90s show they're all on Netflix if you want to go and catch that. Speaking of updated shows, Ghosts have got to the end of as well, the US version, which of course is running on iPlayer. Mm-hmm. That I have really enjoyed. It takes some of the UK storylines, but not all of them. And mm-hmm. there are enough tweaks to the characters to make it entertaining and different enough that even if you've seen all the original UK version, there is enough in the US version to keep you going and make an entertaining show as well. well that sounds good. I hear so many good things about the UK version. And I have definitely read a couple of things about the US version as well. So it seems that it's all going in the right direction. So that's what we like to see. Yes. I mean, the UK version is superb. It is very, very funny. It is very British. And you do wonder how that's going to translate. But they've done it very sympathetically 
and only tweaked what they sort of needed to tweak. But obviously, there's a lot more episodes, so they needed to broaden the storyline out. So some of the ghosts are the same. Some of them are different. Some of them are kind of morphed versions of characters that we have here. So like there is a caveman character in the UK version, in the US version. A lot of that stuff is taken on by a Viking character that they have in there. But there's also other characters who don't really exactly have Uh a UK equivalent and even some of the ones that do like the Viking and there's a politician that is in the UK one and in the US one it's a Wall Street trader so there's differences there as well in the way the character acts so it's really well done it is very very funny I mean it does depend again whether you like these American sitcoms or not but they have done a really solid job with that and you can see why it's going down so well in the US but it is something you can enjoy if you enjoyed the UK version and we are limited on the amount of episodes we get on the UK version it's about six a season and there are 18 in the first season of of Ghost US and uh, they're on season three or four I think over there now and there are 18 20 episodes a season Mm. so they've got a lot more episodes to get through so the storylines are obviously going to go in slightly different directions definitely worth checking out that I'm also working my way through The Handmaid's Tale. Haven't quite got to the end of that yet. I know I'm very late to that, but I haven't quite finished that yet. So I'll let you know when I get to the end of that. The other mm. new thing to me, which I watched, because there is a, they announced a season two date, was Schmigadoon, which mm-hmm. is on Apple. Yeah. And if you've not heard of this series, it is a musical comedy. It's from Cinco Paul and Kevin Durano. And Cinco came up with the idea 20 years ago, apparently, when he was thinking about American Werewolf in London and thought it would be funny if the two men that were in American Werewolf in London, rather than stumbling into a sort of horror story, they stumbled into a musical instead. So that that was his sort of thinking behind it. It follows two New York doctors and they go off backpacking because their marriage is sort of not going particularly well or their relationship. I don't think they're actually married at this point, but their relationship is not going particularly well. And they get lost in the woods and they stumble across this sort of magical little town, which is called Smigadoon. And it's basically like being trapped in one of those golden age style musicals, the sort of 60s, 70s, those kind of big musical kind of number things. Mm -hmm. They are eventually told that they can't leave the town until they find true love. That is the overriding idea of it. So they're trapped there. And it's what happens to those two characters who are outsiders and get pushed into this kind of classic musical theatre world where everything breaks out into song. You know, they happen to mention something like they're talking about corn pudding at one point and that turns into this massive musical number. There's all sorts of weird and wonderful things in it. It's very, very funny. Cinco Paul and Ken Durano are the people that were behind things such as the Despicable Me movies and uh, Secret Life of Pets and the Lorax, and they've done a bunch of other things as well. The cast is Cecilie Strong, who plays the girlfriend, and Keenan-Michael Key, who plays the boyfriend. Those are the two people that are, are stuck in there. You've got Kristen Chenoweth in there, Dove Cameron, Alan Cummings, 
Wings. Jane Krasinski is in there as well. Martin Short pops up. Titus Burgess apparently is in the second season, which comes out 7th of April, the second season starts. so But the entire first season is up on Apple TV if you want to go and check that out. It is very, very funny. Really, really enjoying it. It's another solid show from Apple, so uh, worth going to check that one out. It's called Schmigadoon, if you want to go and look at that one. I did hear about Schmigadoon. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I like that Apple are taking swings like this, because mm. you couldn't pay any other network to run that for a season, to be honest, at this point. The way things are, so that's, I think that's an interesting idea. I hope it keeps getting renewed. Yeah, back for a second season. So it did definitely did something right. Uh, some of the songs did pick up awards as well. So, you know, they've, that's cool. they won the primetime Emmy for, for the corn pudding song, actually. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, so it has been picking up Emmys and stuff. So um, it is worth going to look at. And there, there are lots of songs in each of the uh, episodes as well. And go and check out that on Apple TV. The other thing, of course, which has been the big show at the moment, yeah. The Last of Us, episode two went out last night. Not going to go into a huge amount of detail about it necessarily here, <laughs> but we are doing The Last of Us podcast over on Entertainment Talk with Matt, so you can go and check that out over there and you'll get our thoughts on, on episode two. I'm assuming you're watching this as well. No, because I'd never played The Last of Us. I was a very late adopter of PS3 and I think I just didn't pick it up and also not a big fan of zombies at the best of times well so it's all just pa- passed by I don't give me that it's not about zombies or every single zombie thing is not about zombies and I obviously understand that but they do have similar ideas of people dealing with drama and those sorts of people dealing with adversity and being sort of stressed past the limits and it's not generally my thing with those sorts of shows which is why I tend to stay away from zombie shows yeah okay fair enough I do think it is very different to every other type of zombie show and I mean again they're not technically zombies they're infected (laughs) Um, and yeah I know zombie shows aren't necessarily about the zombies in most cases but I think this is so much about this relationship between Ooh. Joel and Ellie and I don't think you need to have played the games to be able to get the show either it works on its own as a TV show extremely well and it is a phenomenal piece of drama and I would recommend everybody go and watch it because it is really superb regardless of whether you like zombie stuff or not it is well well worth watching that that's going out weekly on um, Sky Atlantic in the UK so check that out that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news We kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. We have got quite a few cancellations and renewals this week. The big one, I think, which was announced at the end of last week, NCIS Los Angeles is ending with its 14th season. Yeah, that has upset quite a lot of people, although I don't really watch any of the NCISs. There was a few sort of... That's interesting. So I started with NCIS and I watched that for quite a while Mm -hmm. and I've probably stopped watching after Ziva and Tony left. Right. I think, and I watched NCS New Orleans, which is come and gone, which mm-hmm. starred Scott Bakula yeah. of Quantum Leap fame and Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I watched that all the way through. 
big fan of NCS Los Angeles. I do think it's been sort of like the rise has been on the wall for a while. Yes, I've, um, I've read that. They, from they have definitely, the storyline has definitely been treading water for quite some time. So I can understand sort of why they decided to bring it on. But it's one of those easy sort of things, you know, you're going to get with it. The characters, you sort of come to really love them. Like El Kuldu is playing with his Sam Hanna, which is, is a perfect role for him. Mm-hmm. It just really works. I can remember we had two of the stars came to yes. playing a few years ago which is Eric Christian Olsen and Daniela Rua, who yeah. play a couple on screen, and they were amazing. They were hilarious. That, they were, that, yeah. Go and check that video out. It is on our YouTube channel. Go and check that video out, because they sort of pranked Daniela in it, and, and it is one of the funniest interviews for, for a TV show that I don't really follow. It is one of the funniest interviews we've done. I think yeah. it's very, very good. It's an amazing show. It's gone through a lot of interesting characters who have come and gone. Mm-hmm. It seems like CBS has found their sweet spot. They are happy with three NCIS titles, the Hawaii NCIS, and this upcoming NCIS Sydney. Yes. Which is interesting that it's announced because they've already said that it will be late 2023 and they haven't even started filming yet. Yeah. And they haven't... No cast. They haven't cast. Because I read that story today and I was thinking, that's ambitious. Yes. The interesting thing about that is the Sydney one is from Shane Brennan, who was the producer yeah. of LA. Yeah, he um, um, LA. But he is Australian and I think basically he wanted to go back home <laughs> and, I can uh, understand yeah because those shows are pretty intense in terms of filming yeah. especially with the um, things like crossover yeah so he, want, he wanted to go back and I think film in his home country and um, so he's, he's gone back to Australia and it was all going to be filmed over there yeah. yeah like you say planned for the end of the year yeah. but they've not even announced any casting for it yet so yeah I mean so I am sad to see it go particularly sad for like sort of obviously well not obviously because I think NCIS rarely changes up its talent but Los Angeles changes their recurring and starring people quite a lot mm-hmm. um, outside of outside of like two and they had two young actors who just come in of color and I think they'd be going after what three or four seasons which I think is a bit of a shame yeah they were excellent the roles NCS is very much on partnerships because the teams always go out in twos yes and it's very much all about how they interact with each other so if the two of them work together they tend to stick around and I think they did very well they had an interesting sort of storyline because one of the you guys is a black former FBI agent who sort of switched over <laughs> and he got stopped with his sister by the police and obviously things escalated as you, I'm sure you can figure it out and unfortunately I guess we won't really get into that because we sort of got it talked a little bit about it but sort of ending there yeah so yeah so that's really there was I would feel bad about it's that those guys don't get to sort of move keep on going with what they were doing because I thought it was quite interesting yeah the reason for the cancellation seems to be I mean they are ending it I mean it is going to have a proper ending that's why they're announcing it now because they're obviously halfway through filming the season so it gives them a chance to give them a ending for it the reason really is the fact that i mean if you look at cbs's ratings it's second from bottom cis vegas is actually bottom on the ratings but um, yeah now i was quite surprised by that as well but yes it's second from bottom and it's quite an expensive show to make because yes. of the fact that it's it's shot in LA and... The primary stars have been there for a very long time, which means their salaries are astral long by now. Yeah, because those four top names, Chris O'Donnell, LL Cool J, Daniela Rush and Eric Christina Olsen have all been there from the beginning. Because of that, once you're 14 seasons in, their salaries are going to be quite high, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, so... 
<laughs> yeah, so, you know, and I mean, it's not their fault. It's the nature of the business, you know. So mm-hmm. it gets to a tipping point, I think, where oh. it just becomes overly expensive to make after a, you know, 14 yeah. seasons. Oh, yeah. and it, 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 it totally makes sense. makes sense. It also shows why you see things like NCIS has a fairly major shakeup with only sort of two near original cast members. Yeah, it's not uncommon to either switch the cast up and longer in these seasons or, or bring them to an end. So, yeah, as you say, we are getting NCIS Sydney incoming. We've got Hawaii and uh, we've got the main NCIS here. The crossover, actually, people have been worried about this, but it should pretty much line up because all three shows came back this week on oh, UK TV. Yes, two of them are on Disney Plus and LA is on ah. Sky, but they are all airing this week. So, yes, you do need two services for them, but at least the crossovers should mm-hmm. line up reasonably well. It's a very sort of very tight crossover. So it's not like the first Arrow one, which involves sending one person to do one scene in another yeah. show. It's much more of a crossover with all the teams working together. Right. They will line up. It's just you need two services to get them, which is a shame. On to other cancellations, though. We've got um, Vampire Academy cancelled after one season by Peacock. Did you catch any of that? It's sort of your kind of YA. I didn't, yeah. I read the books and I read the follow-up, so I was a big fan, but I sort of took a look at the changes they made and I've looked at it and went, mm, <laughs> right, I okay. know about this. And I don't actually know anyone off the top of my head who has watched that. I've heard a few things, but I definitely can't say I've heard anyone coming out of it saying, it's amazing, you definitely need to watch this. Yeah. I've seen fans of it watch it and say, yeah, it's good, but not like ringing endorsements. Yeah, not, I mean... Not like even half of the sort of joy that people got from, say, fans watching The Last of Us. I did watch some of it. I, I didn't actually quite get to the end of it. The problem is over here it's on Peacock and I kind of forget that it's there. Yeah. And, I mean, that Peacock service, I do wonder whether they're starting to drop the branding a little bit because it's got very little on it at this point. So I do wonder whether it's, they're going to end up removing it. But it is still on there, I think, at the moment. But Vampire Academy... That's cancelled after one season. One of Us is Lying, which is a Peacock series as well. That has also been cancelled. That's after two seasons. Another book series I've read. There's two of those. And I do have a friend who watched One of Us Lied and who swears up and down about it. It's available on Netflix for those people here in the UK. Yeah. But he swears up and down about the first season, but he said the second season was awful. There you go. Complete turnaround. He said it years and the second season was terrible. I don't know because I haven't seen it yet. I'll probably get to the first season. I don't know how close they stuck to the books yeah it's strange but then i guess the first season got made at a very strange time i don't mm-hmm. know if they maybe if a show if they change showrunners or something maybe gossip girl has been cancelled that's the reboot series that's mm. after two seasons that's on hbo max or was on hbo max that's their I'm latest it's only two seasons because i can remember when it initially came out because there was obviously a lot of talk about it because obviously as it would beloved show but i was right it's only two seasons because it felt like that was ages ago when yeah. season came out he did it feels like it's been kicking around for a while and I I don't know whether it was just a very long run up to that season coming out because there were rumours of talking about them doing a reboot forever that of course run on iPlayer over here 
But yeah, that won't be coming back after two seasons. And um, also cancelled after two seasons, Mosquito Coast has gone off Apple. There's a rare cancellation for Apple. But Matt spoke about that a couple of weeks ago and said that he wasn't as impressed with the second season of it. Really enjoyed the first season, second season, not so much. I think it was one of those situations where it looks like they sort of went past the end of the book and tried to make a second season and it didn't quite work. That's been canned after two seasons. On the renewals front, BMF has been renewed for season three at Stars. That runs on Lionsgate Plus over here. Selling the OC renewed for two additional seasons. God knows what number of season they're on at the moment, but that's on Netflix. Mm. Um, SEAL Team has been renewed for season seven by Paramount Plus in the US. We don't know where that's airing in the UK because both Sky and Paramount are being very quiet about what's happening with season six because usually it started airing by now, usually on Sky. But either there is some negotiation going on about whether Sky are getting it back or Paramount are waiting for licenses to expire and okay. they can dump it all onto Paramount Plus. Yeah. We don't know at the moment and neither of them are saying anything. So it'll show up when it shows up and it will show up somewhere. It's just it's whether it's on Sky or whether it's on Paramount Plus. We'll have to wait and see for season six, but it has been renewed for a seventh season, which is good news. A couple of other big shows which are renewed but are ending with their next season. Cobra Kai is ending with its sixth and final season, which shouldn't come as a huge shock because I think the showrunner actually said he wanted to do six seasons. So, <laughs> And it's been building to that point as far as I can understand. I, I watched, I think, the first season of it and then got really horribly behind on it. But Back to the YouTube days. Yes, I watched the first season, yes, back in the YouTube days and then I, I really needed to go back and watch it because i really enjoyed it but i just got horribly behind with it it's renewed for a sixth and final season and uh, i haven't actually watched the fifth season yet but it sounds like it's ramped up every single season to bigger and bigger bigger things and they are at a point where it, it kind of feels like it's building to something huge so i think whilst people will be sorry to see it go it's probably the right thing to do because if he had an idea for six seasons they can bring it to a solid conclusion the other big show which is ending although we kind of seen this coming outlander is coming to an end with an eighth and final season although they have ordered a prequel series called outlander blood of my blood which follows jamie's parents that has been ordered to series as well so we haven't had season seven yet season seven comes out in this summer so season eight will be uh, the year after or the year after that because they take forever to come out sometimes these outlander shows Mm -hmm. and blood of my blood will either be before season eight or after season eight we don't know but we've got two more seasons there's like 20 odd episodes yet left to go yet and then we've got a prequel series coming as well so have you been watching outlander no i can't say i have but i know how big it is and just how huge it is and it's good to see one of those few examples of a good long-running book to tv adaption so it seems to go from strength to strength it has been a really really good series very Especially very when we've got like three examples of them dying after two 
201 season in this very episode. Yes, absolutely. It has been a really good example of a book to series translation and they've done a great job with it. It needed to come to an end at some point, but I think they've had a really solid run with that and eight seasons is certainly nothing to sniff at and we're getting a prequel as well. So there's going to be a lot more Outlander stuff kicking around for you to enjoy. In pickups and other news, the BBC has acquired the rights to Magpie Murders and the sequel series Moonflower Murders. Magpie Murders originally aired on BritBox, but it's now going to air on the BBC. The sequel, which is Moonflower Murders, will exclusively air on the BBC and PBS, I think, air it in the US, but it's not going to air on BritBox that it's going to be airing on BBC instead. So, But they've, they've acquired the right to the first season as well. So you'll be able to watch that. Invincible Season 2, which has been a long, long time coming, got a very funny sort of meta teaser, which was Invincible and Alan the Alien, who he met right at the end of the first season. It's the pair of them sat in a cafe talking and Alan's sort of making remarks about the fact that, hey, Invincible, I haven't seen you around in a while. And he then kind of goes on to explain all the stuff they've been doing and all that goes into making animation about the fact that's why the show hasn't come back yet. So premiering late 2023, they have said for that. So we're still a while off. It has been renewed for a third season already, so hopefully the fact that they gave it back-to-back renewals for the next two seasons, I mean, the gap between season two and season three won't be as big as the gap between season one yeah. and season two. The first season of that was phenomenal. I yeah, really, really enjoyed amazing. it. I'm very, very glad to see that at least we've got some idea of when that's going to land. That's really good. There was an announcement from Apple. Uh, Ted Lasso is coming in spring 2023, so we're not far off that for the third season of that. There was also a premiere date for Django, which is a uh, new TV series directed by Francesca Kamansky, who is the person behind Gamora, and loosely based on the cult classic by Sergio Corbroni, and it's set in Texas in the late 1800s, followed a jaded cowboy in search of the daughter he thought he'd lost. It's a series. It's going to be on Sky Atlantic. It's coming Friday, the 17th of February. You'll be able to catch that, but that's Django. So that could be quite good. There was a few dates and stuff for ITV and ITVX as well, because they've added a bunch of US box sets and uh, they've also announced some stuff coming up in March. The Bay season four, Grandchester season eight and Grace season three all coming to ITV in March. We don't know exact dates for those yet, but they will be at some point in March. ITVX, though, added four US box sets. Everybody Hates Chris. They're adding that on the 2nd of March. Gotham is being added on the 9th of March. Community is added on the 16th of March. And Jane the Virgin is added on the 23rd of March. So there's going to be some interesting new US box sets that you'll be able to catch for free on ITVX if you want to go and check those out. I mean, Gotham I've obviously seen. I've never actually watched Community. and Now it's on somewhere. I should probably go and catch that. No, I've never seen it either. I didn't see Jane the Virgin either, so uh, that might be worth going to catch up on as well. In terms of other bits of news, there was some casting for season three of Alex Ryder. First of all, Alex Ryder has a third season, which uh, was something which I I didn't even realise was happening until they announced the casting for it. Alex Ryder will be back on Freebie. The second season ran on Freebie. uh, First season ran on Prime Video. Second season's on Freebie. Third season will be on Freebie. It's again adapted by Guy Burt. 
It's adapted from Scorpio, which is the fifth novel in the Alice Rider series. It sets the teenage spy on the trail of his greatest enemy, the elusive criminal network known as Scorpio. Finally free of the manipulative Alan Blunt and his department, Alex embarks on a personal mission to destroy Scorpio once and for all, little realising the journey will reveal his ties to both organisations run deeper than he ever thought possible. That's the setup for it. We've got Sophia Helen joining from The Bridge, Atlantic Crossing and Mystery Road as Julia Rothman, an enigmatic rich widow who, unbeknownst to the world, is a highly secretive agent for Scorpia, the criminal organisation behind Alex Ryder's deadliest encounter. Shelley Conn from Bridgerton and Good Omens, and she's also in uh, the new Gen V series as Laura Keller, a ruthless and reckless politician who challenges the department's authority. Kevin McNally, you'll know from The Crown, Das Boot, Pirates of the Caribbean, as Max Grendel, a shrewd and calm senior counsel for Scorpia with an outward appearance of a calm European gentleman. And Jason Wong from Strangers, The Gentleman, and the upcoming Dungeons of Dragons Hero Among Thieves as Niall, a dangerous Scorpia assassin. Those are the characters that are coming up. The other Alex Ryder series, I, I didn't watch the second one because I forget that it's on freebie, but um, mm. the, uh, the first season I thought was really, really good. They did a really solid adaptation. It was, although it is a teen in the lead, it's a very good general sort of drama rather than a YA drama. I thought they did a really good job with it. I know you know some of the stuff of Alex Ryder because they returned up at MCM that one time. But <laughs> I've got Scorpio literally next to me on the bookcase because I've got, well, I didn't get all of them. I got most of the initial Alex Ryder books decades ago now. So it's good to see that it keeps on going and new generations get to see this. Yeah, it has been a really good adaptation. And first season, definitely worth watching. That is on freebie as well now. I do need to go and catch up the second season as well, because I did really enjoy the first season. So um, worth going to check out. But that's Alex Ryder. It's back for a third season. They are filming at the moment, which is why they've just announced the cast. So it will be a little while before it actually shows up. But you can catch the first two seasons on freebie. Over on to Apple, they actually announced a bunch of sort of new and returning dates, which you can go and find on the website. But there were a couple of new shows which I thought might be uh, interesting to our listeners. But uh, first one's called Hello Tomorrow. It actually starts on the 17th of February. It's a new original dramedy executive produced by Emmy and Critics' Choice Award winner Benny Crudup, who you'll know from The Morning Show, probably most recently, the other Apple series. It's set in a retro future world. I sort of described this has been kind of think if you played the fallout games sort of fallout before all the bonds dropped it's that kind of retro future kind of setup for it hello tomorrow centers around a group of traveling salesmen hawking lunar timeshares could up stars as jack a salesman of great talent and ambition whose unshakable faith in a brighter tomorrow inspires his co-workers revitalizes desperate customers but threatens to leave him dangerously lost in the very dream that sustains him the ensemble cast starring alongside Crudup includes Hanafi Woods, Alison Pill, Nicholas Ponde, Duchesne Williams, Hank Azaria is in there as well, and Matthew Mana, and Academy Award nominee Jackie Weaver as well. Those are the people that are starring in it. It looks really interesting. There is a trailer for it up on the website, and it's a really interesting world in that it is this sort of retro future setup, which gives this really odd visual style because there are sort of robots
what's floating around. Like I say, it's very much like that sort of Fallout world prior to the bombs dropping, which I really rather like. I like that sort of retro future stuff. So any interest in this one? I'll be interested for the aesthetic because I know what sort of aesthetic you're talking about because I listen to a lot of old time radio. They do lots of sci-fi radio plays from mm-hmm. people in the 40s and 50s thinking about what the future would be. So yeah. I understand that sort of thing. So I think it'd be interesting to take a look at to see how that vision comes alive on screen. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know all the names in the cast, but um, Billy Crudup is great. Hank Azaria is great. Uh, Alison Pill, I, I know, is really good. So there's, there's a solid cast in there as well. One to look out for, but 17th of February for that on Apple TV, it's called Hello Tomorrow. There's another one called The Big Door Prize, which is described as a heartwarming and character-driven comedy created by David West-Reed, who was the person behind Shit's Creek. It stars ensemble cast led by Chris O'Dowd, Gabrielle Dennis, Ali Mackay, George Sangria, Damon Gumpton, Crystal Fox, Sammy Forlas, and Juliette Amara, I think is the, uh, the last one as well. It's based on a novel by Emma Walsh, and it tells the story of a small town that is forever changed when a mysterious machine appears in the general store promising to reveal each resident's true life potential. That's the setup for it. There is a little trailer for this, but it doesn't really give away a huge amount in the trailer. I mean, again, it's a really good cast. Chris O'Dowd's particularly great. I do like the sound of it and the fact that it's sort of heartwarming character driven. I like those sort of shows you know things like zoe's and the good place you know if it's in that kind of vein possibly that could be quite interesting but i mean we'll have to wait and see when they release a sort of full trailer for it it's coming spring 2023 that one i don't think it's sort of thing that i would generally go for when i sort of read the premise i thought it was going to be more of a dark thing than a character driven comedy right i want to think of like stephen king stories (laughs) yeah i mean that is true Tells you about my default. <laughs> yeah, and it is sort of true that, I mean, it is one of those premises which could really go either way, but they are saying it's sort of heartwarming character-driven comedy, so I rather like the sound of that. It does seem like, I I mean, I don't know, but it does seem like it could be in that sort of vein and, and slightly sort of quirky off-the-wall kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, that, that I think could be quite interesting. Speaking of comedies, though, there has been some casting for Only Murders in the Building Season 3. There it was a really funny little video that they put up for this, introducing what the casting was. Meryl Streep is joining Only Murders in the Building for its third season. We don't know who she's playing because they haven't announced anything yet. So whether it's going to be a character in the show or whether it's going to be some twisted version of herself, which has happened in the previous seasons where they had sort of Sting and Amy Schumer show up as versions of themselves... There is a possible suggestion of who she might be because, spoilers for the end of the last series, but this was sort of the coda that sets up season three. Paul Rudd pops up as a character called Ben Glenroy. He's a renowned theatre actor and he's starring in a new play put on by Oliver and uh, promptly drops dead, which is the thing that sort of sets up the new murder for the new season. But before that, he's warned by Charles to stay away from her, speaking about one of the other members of the cast. And we're not told who her is, 
But there is a suggestion that Meryl Streep might be the her that he was referring to. So she will be playing a character rather than... I mean, unless... Even funnier would be if she's playing Meryl Streep and just a oh. twisted version of Meryl Streep who's quite evil. That would be hilarious as well. But we don't know at the moment. All we know is Meryl Streep is going to be showing up in the third season. And there's another face that's going to be showing up, Jesse Williams, who people will know from Grey's Anatomy, who's been added to season three in the recurring role of a documentarian who takes an interest in Charles Oliver and Mabel's latest investigation as well. So that's another bit of new casting. I love this show. It's way better than you kind of think it probably should be. It's very, very funny. It's a brilliantly put together comedy. What's the first season though? Took me longer than it should have really to watch the end. I thought it was very cleverly done and a fun ride. And I think I watched the first episode of season two and then I stopped there and I just went on to other things. So I probably should go back. Yeah, the second season is great as well. It's been really, really solid, thoroughly enjoyable. It's on um, Disney Plus over here if you want to catch it. I think it's Hulu in the US. Only Murders in the Building, that is. The leads are Steve Martin. Martin Short and Stephen Gillis. Yes, those are the three leads in it. And they work so well together. It is very, very funny, hugely entertaining. But uh, Only Murders in the Building season three, that's four as well. So don't know when that's going to land. It'll probably be later this year. That's all the news we've got for this week. We'll just move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. We have Extraordinary, which is a new superhero show coming to Disney, but it's a superhero show with a slight difference. It's a comedy. It comes from writer-comedian Emma Moran, and it's a story which follows Jen, a young self-aware woman who lives in a world where everybody has a superpower except her. So I think the idea is that they get to sort of 18 and you gain your superpower, but she doesn't. So everybody around her is superpowered and she isn't. And I've seen clips of it. It does look very funny. It's called Extraordinary. It's 25th of January on Disney+. Plus. Could be one to look out for that. One Chicago is back on Sky Witness this week. That's 27th of January from 8pm. Starts off with Med, then we get Chicago Fire and Chicago PD, but 27th of January for all three of those straight after each other. Wolfpack lands on the 27th of January as well. That's over on Paramount+. Plus. This is a new werewolf series which is sort of connected to Teen Wolf, as far as I understand it. The Teen Wolf movie, I think, drops on the 27th as well, which I think is designed as a sort of setup for wolf pack um the new show is actually based on an entirely separate book series weirdly as well and they've sort of managed to mash them together but sarah michelle geller is one of the leads on uh, wolf pack as well so could be an interesting one to watch out for particularly if you like that team wolf series but 27th of january for that Fantasy Football League returns for the second half of season one. Now the football season has started again. That's the 27th of January at 10pm on Sky Max. Over on Apple TV, we have Shrinking Starting, which is a new series which stars Jason Segel as a grieving therapist who starts to break the rules and tells his clients exactly what he thinks. Harrison Ford is also starring in there in a very rare TV role, so uh, could be one to check out for, and that's called Shrinking. That's over on Apple TV on the 27th. The last 
Last Leg returns on the 27th at 10pm and that's for season 27. That is back on Channel 4, so check that out. Lockwood & Co., the long, long gestating series which has been kicking around at various places but finally landed at Netflix. That's on the 27th of January, which is based on the best-selling novels by Jonathan Stroud. Looks kind of interesting, that. It's another sort of YA series, but uh, action-adventure detective series, that one is Supernatural thing. That looks like quite good. And Buffering, which is the Ian Sterling comedy, that returns for a second season on the 30th of January at 10.05 on ITV2. Yeah, some interesting stuff coming up this week. Lockwood & Co. shrinking, I think. Uh, Wolfpack possibly an extraordinary, I think, are probably the ones that I, I will keep an eye out for. Anything for you in there? I have somewhat intrigued about Wolfpack and Lockwood & Co. I think those are the ones that would immediately make me think, ooh. Yeah, I thought well, Lockwood & Co. I've seen, the, I've seen a, tra- a, sort of a teaser, I think, for Lockwood & Co. because you know what Netflix is like. It looked interesting. It might be nice to watch something a little YA and yeah. fantasy-oriented. Yes, we'll have to see whether that's one of those fantasy series is that sinks or swims on Netflix because you know what they've been like recently cancelling things with Wild Abandon so uh, yes. we'll see but it's taken a long long time to get to screen that and it's been kicking around various places so I hope it lands and I hope it's decent but we'll have to wait and see but 27th of January basically there's a lot of new TV shows coming on the 27th of January because almost all of those from the 27th that's all the stuff we've got for you this week if they want more of your stuff Daryl where can they find you? So they can head over to hollywoodnorthmeekers.net and from there can get links to all of our social media and our YouTube where you can see a few interviews and some coverage from recent events that we've been to and you can catch up with our Twitter. You can always find me on there talking about various TV that I've been getting up to. Yep, so go and check Daryl out at hollywoodnorthnews.net. For other people involved in the show you can of course find Bex at twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites that's B-Y-T-E-S. She is doing lots of streaming over there. She's around most evenings so you can go and check her out either just chatting or gaming streams and lots of other fun stuff always worth to check out Bex Matt you can find over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots more podcasts including as I mentioned earlier we are doing the Last of Us podcast weekly over there so go and check that out the first two episodes of that are now out on the website so uh, you can go and follow those there for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter at facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye bye